If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of In the Details with yours truly, Karen Allen. Today, we are uh, in for a treat because we're going to talk to someone who I've known for a while, a good friend of mine who is thriving as an entrepreneur in so many ways. And as we dive into this, I am just excited to highlight all of the special details that I know are contributing to his success. So Max Heinemann is founder and CEO of Told Right. We're going to jump into what Told Right is doing. They're doing some amazing things. But Max, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Karen. It's uh, always great to get together with a friend like you. Yes. And so we actually, we go back, we go back to several years ago, I was doing a training at the golf channel and Max was one of the VPs in the room going through this training. And I remember after we went through this, that you were so moved by the experience talking about growth mindset. And I thought it was so interesting. I'll never forget this. When you reached out after the session, you weren't just talking about how to apply these growth mindset principles to your role at Golf Channel at the time, but you specifically reached out because you recognize how important this would be for you as a husband and as a father of three beautiful girls. And that sticks with me forever. Like your desire to be the best person in all the roles that you play is something that is admirable, my friends. So I just want to say, you know, Max and I met in the work environment, but (laughs) he really lives out the principles that are important to him as a CEO also at home. But Max, I have a question for this. You dove in headfirst to growth mindset from the very beginning, you latched on to this, but I feel like you've always had maybe some of these behaviors and this openness instilled in you. After you learned about growth mindset, do you feel like this was something that you noticed in yourself early on, or was it really a a truly new concept? And you're like, oh no, I want to dive into this fully. Well, I, as a, someone that grew up, you know, working three jobs during the summer and being very, you know, entrepreneurial, I think I certainly had that desire to always work hard. Yeah. But, you know, we've talked a lot about this. Sometimes, especially as entrepreneurs, you get so focused on the hard work you have to do for the business that you don't recognize the fact that being an entrepreneur, whatever your family dynamic is, it's going to have a significant impact on your family dynamic. And it's even more important that you apply a growth mindset to how you interact with your spouse, your significant other, your family, your extended family during the period, especially in the beginning when you're really trying to get it off the ground. I mean, let's not forget, even huge companies like Salesforce, Mark Benhoff started that in his living room. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like that, that is how it happens. And you have to, if you started it, especially as we launched the business and went into it during COVID. My wife, Amy, was equally, and you know her, was equally a, you know, running our household, handling a virtual school, like really had to put a lot of time and effort into myself to be a bigger contributor. And I would encourage all your listeners, if they're either currently an entrepreneur or seeking it out, that the first step is applying the growth mindset personally and then applying it professionally, not the inverse. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess, yeah, you've been an entrepreneur your whole life, but tell us the story of Told Right, how that came to be. Yeah, thank you. Well, as you said, I was at NBC when we met. The world of 
media and content creation was clearly shifting, right? Now we see this enormous creator economy, they call it, over you know a billion and a half dollars will probably be projected to be spent in the creator economy in 2022. And so we noticed that a lot of corporations were trying to adapt to what is now an enormous digitally native workforce and digitally yeah. native customer base, right? According to Citrus, right now, 50% of America's workforce is a digital native, meaning they grew up with some kind of video enabled device in their pocket. By 2025, it will be 75%. Oh my so gosh. Businesses, whether they've been 100 year old companies like a Disney or a Xerox or their new companies, for them to attract talent, retain that talent, train it, tell the stories behind the company, everything needs to be transformed to video. And so we launched Told Right, and our slogan is Your Story Told Right. Yes. And so when we were pitching investors, our log line, which is typical in a business pitch, and this is probably something that a lot of your entrepreneurs, if they're out raising money, are used to, yeah. right? Our initial log line was, everyone has a story to tell, but not everyone knows how to tell it. We do, so now you do, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happened was we took this Uber approach to content creation, right? That many businesses need Emmy award-winning content creation, but they can't afford to have a full-time video team or a big ad agency in their corner. But what's happened is that over the last two years, a lot of the most talented creators in America, men and women who created their skill set at a Disney, at an ESPN, at an NBC, they're now in the gig economy as opposed to being full-time employees. And so we're just taking their downtime and their off-season time, and we're bringing it to those businesses that know they need that output, but want to have it as a, as a rent option as a operating expense rather than a capital expense. That uberfication of it has become a very successful model for businesses big and small. I right? mean, I can see that because for these individuals, for these creatives who are videographers or, you know, graphic designers or like, I just imagine because I, I tap into this, a creative mind needs flexibility, right? And you actually become more creative the more diverse your portfolio is because you're exposed to different experiences and people and, and situations. And so it makes complete sense that you create this business model using kind of the Uber approach, using that and helping creatives to really... I don't know. It seems like flex their strength because now they are able to, I don't know, work with one client who could be focused on, I don't know, making vacuums on Monday and Tuesday, they could have a gig that's completely on the other side in a different industry. But for creatives, they thrive in that kind of environment. They love being in these places that they are now exposed to such a beautiful, you know, array, if you will, of, of services. But how do you find them? How do you attract them? What have you had any, you know, I would say revelations on how can we actually attract the right people to this? Yeah, that's a great question. You're absolutely right about creatives wanting to flex their muscle. We've had a number of very, very talented people and we call our creator collective, the neighborhood. The reason that that name has stuck is because when we first started we started with one very senior creative and just said, hey, we noticed that a lot of our friends are getting laid off or furloughed and then rehired for a season, a particular season, a particular show. Do you think if we came to them and, and said, hey, we have corporate work for you in your off time, that they wouldn't mind working on things that may not be as exciting as the Oscar red carpet or the Super Bowl? And he's, his opinion was, well, they're artists and they want to get paid for their craft. Yes. So yes. 
And so we started with our friends, kind of like you lived in a neighborhood and that name kind of stuck. So we kind of, we, we went with it. If you go to tollright.com, you'll see a lot of information about our, about our neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example that I think your listeners will love. If you remember, I think it was a couple of years ago that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga at the Oscars did that wonderful sing song with the piano. Yes. Well, our, uh, one of our creators names Tori. He was the steady cam operator, one of the best in the world that helped them choreograph that. And he actually shot it, but he wanted to flex his muscle to be a director. And so when a client of ours, Sukta Soleil, came to us and said, we early on in Tollright's launch, we need to create a live special for CBS. He wanted to flex his chops as a director. And so we brought him in. So we're giving people unique opportunities I mean, that's a high profile one that your listeners may you know, gravitate towards, but that's an example of the kind of caliber of person that's in our neighborhood because we've taken the approach that everyone has to be five star to be in there so that you take a lot of the guesswork out of who's the right creator for your project. Interesting. So if someone was maybe, we'll say four star and three and a half star, not because they don't have the output, but maybe they don't have as much experience, right? How do you feel about that kind of person raising their hand to say, Hey, I know I'm not five-star yet, but I want the experience. I want to get to that. I want to work under other people. How do you approach that kind of individual? Well, bring it back to growth mindset, that individual saying that kind of thing makes them five-star right? The fact that they want to learn, right? Five-star does not mean you won an Oscar and been in business for 20 years. It means that you can come out of art school and your professor gives you a glowing recommendation. You're willing to get dig in and learn from experts or learn new skills. You know, the reality of what's happened over the last couple of years, we're doing this over Zoom right now, is that virtual technologies, especially in production, have changed dramatically. And so people's willingness to dive in and learn new technologies, learn new skill sets, flex to a different type of application of their talents, their willingness to be compatible with the marketplace is five-star, right? And so we want people of varying degrees of seniority. So we have a proprietary vetting process for everyone to really make sure that they just, they want to work. They're a great team player. They have that growth mindset. That's what made the neighborhood very sticky is that everybody has that similar entrepreneurial spirit in that mindset. Yes. You know, there are a lot of contributing factors to the success of Told Right in such a short period. This is two years that you all launched and have seen enormous amounts of success. And a lot of it because of the people that you brought in, but you brought in the right people with the right mindset. And I just, you know, I have to highlight that because that is really what contributes to long-term sustainable success. It's the mindset of the people who surround you. And it absolutely has started, I think, with your leadership and with your partner, Adam, you all were very thorough in who you were bringing in. So when it comes to flexing a growth mindset, it sounds like not only are you bringing in the talent where they get to develop that because they get to go into new spaces, but you're doing that with the internal team as well. So it's in the neighborhood, absolutely, but it's also with the internal team. What has been the biggest challenge being such a new company and looking for the right people and having this desire of creating a growth mindset culture? What's been the biggest challenge? that you all have experienced in the early days of Told Right? Uh, I think the biggest challenge for us has been that early on, we brought on a lot of senior executives from big media companies. And many of those companies have this very vertical, top-down leadership style. And 
the way that a company is going to succeed at an entrepreneurial level, the way that Amazon succeeded when it was young, Netflix succeeded when it was young, was because they were very horizontal in how they managed. And people coming in at the entry level all the way up to management had an equal say about see something, say something, right? If you see something that's going wrong, say something quickly, right? Be very focused on your customer. We had some challenges around getting out of our own legacy vertical mindset and getting into that mindset across the organization. We put some things in place. We actually adopted Sony's vacation policy because it is no vacation policy, right? You take the time when you need it. And we felt like that if you need a mental health day, if you need time for your family, all of that is important and equally important. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the best ideas can come from when you're off. Yes. Um, the business. And so <laughs> things like that, instituting things like that, number one, it helped the organization grow quickly and gel, but it also helped us attract people of that same mindset, right? Some people want that kind of flexibility because they come with an entrepreneurial spirit themselves and can work hard. Some want a very rigorous nine to five sort of, you know, rules of the road, which I respect too. That's just some people like that. They operate better in that environment. We tried to find people that really wanted to grow and stretch and go into a matrix-based environment where everyone could have a say. And, and there's a lot of reverse mentoring. Oh, I think that's interesting because you're right. When we are conditioned to have this vertical uh, approach, if you will, to leadership, then that just becomes a neural pathway, uh, you know, a habit. It's just how you operate. I remember having that internal switch as well. And it was just me. It wasn't a whole team. <laughs> so I can imagine that, you know, with multiple personalities and, and many people who are trying to maybe shed some of that. And as we know you, as you're growing, part of growing isn't just learning, it's unlearning things that are not supporting you. So I can certainly see that happening within the group and the leadership team, because I remember that and it was just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we've talked about that a lot on the personal side, your brain is a muscle. And you have to train it or retrain it, right? Practice doesn't necessarily make perfect. Practice can make permanent in some cases, right? Yes. Untrain your brain to think in new ways, you know, pause before you have a disagreement with your teenage child or your spouse or significant <laughs> other, right? Let a negative thought kick you out of this current mindset into a positive mindset, right? Do certain things like that, that you've taught me, you know, you shared with me over the last, well, I guess, five years or so to really retrain how you approach situations. And that then spills over to how you interact with employees who are, uh, you would consider a colleague and an equal, and then employees that may be brand new to the business and right out of college and putting them on the same playing field with you, because you never know the next best idea might come from one of them. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And give some space for that creativity. You've been so forward thinking because you're right. We are fully immersed in a digital world. We absolutely need to show up and be able to share our stories. Um, you all are giving a place for not just, you know, clients to be able to share their story with reliable talent, but you're giving and creating a space for talent to stretch and to grow, especially as creatives want to continue to refine their craft. So that's where you are today, but I know you have a big vision for the company. And when we think about starting a company, it's hard. There's a lot of fear there, right? We have to overcome a ton of different fear and we're overthinking before we get started. When you were getting ready to start told right, let's share what was your biggest fear? Well, we launched March of 2020 
Uh, Wait, but what was your runway to launching? Like, were you like, oh, six months since, you know, conception of the idea? Did you have about a a year? Some people I'm sure would want to know this. Did you fundraise for a year before you even launched? So right before launching, what was your runway? Oh, yeah. We spent quite a bit of time writing and refining our business plan. A lot of nights and weekends, as most of your entrepreneurs can probably identify with, right? Spending your own free time, thinking about it, writing it, following the traditional models of an investment pitch. We were fortunate enough that we spent about six months doing it. And along the way, we met with a lot of other either entrepreneurs or investors, not necessarily because those investors were going to be our investors, but because they had a perspective on what parts of the business we could tighten up, what parts of our pitch we could tighten up. You know, this goes to what we've talked about a lot, which is you can't do it on your own, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to let the value someone can bring you. It may only be one moment or one conversation, but it's still a stop along the way and might impact the way you think or your approach. Yes, And you have to be receptive to that, even if it's contrarian to what your idea is. Yes, that's so true. In most cases, that could be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get out of your own way sometimes. That's, right, that's right, true. Right. Okay. So about yeah. six months of research and conversation before you decided to, to pull the lever. Right. So we wrote the plan. We then met who would eventually become our lead investor. And that individual, uh, it's a family office. That individual spent another probably four months with us really diving in almost as a consultant and saying, I really like where this is going. Let's continue to refine. And if we can get it to a place where you really are focused on the value proposition and what your overall marketplace would be and what the economics of the business would look like, then we would make an investment. And we got to that place. We worked together though on it, right? It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't you guys go figure it out and come back to me. At the right time, right place, we found someone that wanted to lean in with us. Mm. And that created what would be a great partnership to then start our Series A, which we successfully went through and closed right at the end of uh, 2021. Well, and then it sounds like, okay, so going into it, then you did your preparation builds confidence. We'll start with that. So you were prepared, you went through the process, you know, of refining the business plan, not just creating one, which I think there's a ton of value there. You get to the point where you have someone who believes so much that they're in the trenches with you, making sure that before you take this to other investors, that it really is at its right space. So it feels like you had a lot of certainty there, but I know there was some sort of fear that you had to get over before you were like, all right, guys. We're getting ready to do that. What was the biggest fear? As you said in the beginning, father of three girls, a lot riding on it, a lot of you know things to think about and consider. And mm-hmm. as I said to your listeners, the this being an entrepreneur and taking that leap is always a family decision, not really an individual decision, right? Mm-hmm. So that was probably the greatest fear is what was the impact it was going to have on, on the home life and the family. Thankfully, my wife and I sat down and made the decision together. It was not me making the decision. So I was going to say, then what helped you to get over that? Probably that some of these very smart people in the industry who needed nothing from us, right? The very senior people in the industry, when I talked to them about the idea, they were like, there's a there there. Like they really understood (laughs) it, right? They kind of immediately understood it. And the more people I talked to, the more people of that senior caliber said, if you've got people that want to financially back you on this, you should take a shot at it because your timing is a lot of force in an entrepreneurial environment and the timing was right. Mm, Uh, mm. You talk about where we see this going, right? Verizon is about to roll out ultra wideband 5G nationwide. A lot of technologies are coming into play now. This mindset around being a gig economy worker is formidable. Uh, And so you've got a lot of forces 
that are creating our ability to scale the neighborhood, right? The creator side of it. And that's driving a lot of people to us as potential clients, right? Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. The initial onset fear of even getting started is real. And sometimes we don't push through that. And I'm so happy to hear that you had people who helped you to push through it because maybe they saw things that you didn't because the fear was blinding you, but that's the initial fear. I found that even once you hit a new level of success, you're like, Oh, I have new fears. Do you have any new fears coming up now that you guys are two years into being highly successful? Certainly the fear of what happens if the boat gets swamped with revenue, are we ready to handle it? Right. There are definitely situations that have caused us to take pause. And and actually we started, and I think it's very healthy, even if you're a small entrepreneur, to do kind of a constant, we call it a risk audit, Mm. right? Really have an unbiased, even if you're an entrepreneur and you're a company of two people, then you two entrepreneurs are also the board, right? And now we, we are a bigger company than that. We have a formidable board with some very big investors on it, but they've encouraged us to really be zero out any bias and look at the bit, shine light on the risks in the business and focus on those. I think a lot of times entrepreneurs get into this focus on revenue and just growing the business and maybe don't spend enough time singling out where they could stumble. Mm, right? mm-hmm. and, and if you're not prepared for where you might hit a speed bump, then the first one you hit, even if it's not necessarily economically mm-hmm. formidable for your business or detrimental to your business, it might be mentally. Yes. And so you need to be ready that because it is going to happen, right? The road to success is always under construction. Yes. (laughs) I love that quote. That's that's not me. That's Lily Tomlin. But that is true. And we talked about it because you had me read The Alchemist, which I would encourage every entrepreneur on that's listening to read. Every person needs to read that, not just I know every person. (laughs) Every person. But you don't navigate the desert in a straight line, right? So you're going to have to be ready for those failures or speed bumps and just overall be ready for them. And if you're ready for them when you're a two-person company, then you're ready for them when you're a four-person company, then you're ready for them when you're a 50-person company. Yes, yes. Now, I feel like that could be a slippery slope if somebody's like, okay, I already think about the worst case scenario and I, I maybe stay there too long. How do you make sure you don't go too far down that tunnel when you are just trying to be proactive to prepare for any potential risk? Yeah, so I would separate the two. One is negative thought, which is okay to an extent. You're always going to have those worries. Meditation can help with that. Making a list of your successes versus those negative thoughts can be very helpful. I found that to be incredibly helpful because you'll find that the success list is probably way bigger and you can express some gratefulness every day, right? When your feet hit the floor, when you get out of bed, pick one thing in your life and express gratefulness for it. It will help thwart a lot of negative thought in that day, right? The other is being intellectually honest about the business and Mm -hmm. being ready for where, okay, if this was to happen, how do we scenario our way out of that or have a game plan? If you're getting prepared, you know, we used to live in Florida, we live in Florida. Mm -hmm. If you're getting prepared for hurricane season, you're, you're putting a kit together. Hopefully you never have to use it, but at least have it and you're prepared, right? Yes. Yes. You got to do that mentally too. Yes, absolutely. And it it really does. First of all, it also, you may not be able to prepare for all of the details, but if you just take an honest look at your business and you say, what are some of the areas that, you know, could cause some risk, then even though you may not have an entire evacuation plan, if you even have some of the tools to get you started, 
right after that, it's trusting yourself to find the next best response. So you have what you need. I love how you say that. Like, just think about it. So you at least have it top of mind and then you'll know how to respond because maybe it comes up and it's crippling. Maybe it causes a, a bigger impact than it needs to, but a little bit of thought ahead of time. I love that. And do you do that just on your own or do you do that also with the team? No, we do it with the team. You as an entrepreneur can't see everything, mm-hmm. right? You have to do it at, if you're a company that's maybe past its first investment round or an angel round, and you probably have some investors or a board, you should be doing it at that level, mm-hmm. but you should also be doing it at the team level. And what you'll find is that your employees are a great resource because not only may they identify something that you don't see as the leader of the business every day, but most cases, they probably have a solution that for it or can at least be very helpful in crafting one. So you do have that solution already set up from the people that identified the problem, right? Absolutely. I think it's the craziest thing when a leadership team makes decisions for an area of the business that on a day-to-day basis, they really don't have any idea how it operates. They may have, you know, a little bit of a, like a concept or an umbrella of like what they're supposed to be doing, but really being in the trenches on the front line, having conversations with clients, like how can you expect to respond to some of those problems if you're not living it day-to-day? Couldn't agree more. And in some cases, it could be a technological problem. And if you're someone who's not a technologist, or it could be it could be that your social media campaign has gone awry. But guess what? You're not a social native, but the three people you just hired out of college that were A plus students, they've lived their entire life on social. Maybe they have the answer to fix it. Yes, exactly. And what happens in that moment is you're giving them an opportunity to sharpen their prefrontal cortex where all the creativity and decision-making and, and problem solving that comes from there. So if you give people the opportunity to strengthen that part of their brain, you are now enhancing their skills set that ultimately contributes to the success of the business and their own individual success beyond the business like that. It's a (laughs) win-win. Absolutely. And those digitally native employees, they want to feel that acceptance of them and their contribution because that's how they, they just come out of college thinking they can make an impact right away. And I would argue that they're right. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So There are going to be individuals here who are listening and they're entrepreneurs. Maybe they're aspiring entrepreneurs and maybe they're currently in the trenches. And I think we've had a ton of wisdom and gems. I hope you guys are taking some notes here. But for individuals who are still in corporate America and who have an entrepreneurial spirit, that was you. And it was a big deal for you to finally make that jump. Any advice that you would give to those individuals who find themselves kind of in that same internal dilemma or tension? Yeah, I don't want to be cavalier with anyone's you know current situation, but from my own experience, if you can talk to your significant other, your family, and get to the place mentally where you're ready to make the move, even if it is not a unicorn or not something that is you know hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, but it is something that you can go create on your own, you will be incredibly grateful for the opportunity to do that. I would encourage anyone to try. And you know what? Start with the business plan. If you're really passionate about it, then the business plan will become easy, right? I think it's very unique when you hear these interviews with Taylor Swift or other you know, famous, very famous recording artists who say, oh, that hit came to me in five minutes because it just flowed out of them, mm-hmm. right? If you really believe in the business and you believe you've nailed it in terms of that offering, the business plan will be easy to write. 
And if the business plan is easy to write, then you're probably onto something. And mm. I would just encourage them to start there. And it could take, like us, it took us six months. So it could take you a while, but it still could be easy. And it just flows out of you onto paper. That could be a great scenario. You know, that's a good point. So it will flow. It doesn't mean it's going to be a hit in five minutes. <laughs> right, right. But but that is if you pay attention to that energy and it's flowing out of you and it's easy for you to write this passion and this idea down on paper and even to go back and review it with people and, and you get more ideas. If you feel that kind of energy flowing through you, follow it. Right. Like follow totally it. Follow it. <laughs> totally follow it. And, you know, same, similarly, if you go to talk to some people who might be friends and family investors first, or, uh, you know, cause that's always where it starts or someone in your life that you've crossed paths with that has a banking background that you can just, you know, kick things around with. If you can then very easily explain what it is, that's sort of the next step, right? If you can very quickly get into writing the business plan and you can very quickly explain the value proposition and who your customer is, you start to lay all these pieces, you know, they're all little breadcrumbs to say, I'm onto something here. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So before we go, I just want to ask one question. Again, this has been a, a recurring theme that I've seen in you as a human. I'm not just saying as a husband or as a father or as a CEO, or even as a VP, when you uh, were, over, it's just you, Max, it absolutely feels like this value is at the center of your core and it's growth mindset, but I just want to hear how you define it. So please finish this sentence for me. Growth mindset is a way of life. Mm. You, you have to be a practitioner of it mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when you get out of bed, put your feet on the floor and think of one thing you can be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Meditate, make sure that you're being healthy mm-hmm. uh, because your family, your, your significant other needs you to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be healthy for your employees. Physical well-being is just as important as mental well-being, mm-hmm. um, but it is a way of life. Right. I love it's not going to, it's not something you don't just take a pill and all of a sudden you're better. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a way of life. Yes. A lot of times people focus growth mindset just in the learning space, but I love how you have encompassed it in all areas of being. I feel like one of the reasons I latched onto this concept so much is because it creates so much more space for things that are outside of what I may know, whether it's knowledge or way of being or anything like that. It just creates this, like, it creates limitless possibilities in myself and as I see others and interact with the world. Absolutely. And I, and I know a lot of your listeners or your bigger corporate customers who who are so smart to bring growth mindset into the work environment, they would be so surprised by the ripple effect it has when people who are their employees bring that mindset to their everyday life, to their family life, you are going to create employee engagement that is exponential beyond just your classic corporate training. Yes. Yes. Well, I want to say thank you so much for being here, Max, but also thank you for being a a human-centric leader who believes in the abilities of others and who also is vulnerable enough to share your own growth and your own barriers that you're overcoming, not just with the people around you, but now with our listeners here. So thank you so much for being here, Max. Well, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.